Welcome to Off the Record. Today we're going to talk about COVID and youth sports. You guys know we've touched on the COVID subject a number of times, but we've got a unique perspective today with a couple coaches with us. So before we get into today's show, make sure you guys check out Stitcher. Use promo code CROSSOVER and you can get Stitcher premium free for 30 days. Stitcher has all kinds of crazy podcast content that you can't find anywhere else. They're a supporter of the show. So make sure, again, you use promo code CROSSOVER to check out uh, Stitcher premium free. Like I said, joined by a couple coaches, man. I want to welcome them to the show. My man, Curtis, my man, Jaron. What's up, fellas, man? Welcome to Off the Record. What's going on? Thanks for having us. No doubt, man. So we wanted to get y'all on because we've talked about the coronavirus and COVID since it really jumped off. And let me say this for the record. I told these three gentlemen that this shit was going to get real. And they laughed at me. Uh They laughed at me. We were at Quan's house and they laughed at me. Mm -hmm. And now five months later, I ain't seen them in person. This entire time. <laughs> well, bro, for the correction, I, I, I chuckled. Mike was the one that was laughing. He was laughing. <laughs> hey, hey, but with, with, this shit, with this shit being real is an understatement. Let, let's say that. Make no error. And I work with, with Mike's wife, and I got married in, in February, right before everything got super crazy. I was me and my wife and my my family. We got married in, in California, and we were literally the only people on the on the plane with a face mask on. And people were looking at us like we were crazy in the middle of February. <laughs> and when we got back, we got back. I think it was the end of February, February 29th, and that's when stuff really started going crazy. I mean, we went back to school for like two weeks, and ever since then, it's been locked down in the house for real. Jeremy, man, let me let me start with you, man. You coach what, high school, right? Yes, sir. So we're five months deep into the, the coronavirus. What is it like coaching and managing children and the parents through the course of the pandemic? Super difficult, honestly, because we're, we're in the same situation. All the adults are really in the same situation where we can go and we can look up like what's going on and we kind of understand what's going on. But a 14, 15, 16 year old kid doesn't really understand what's really going on. They 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 might listen to the news and they might know that the coronavirus is out there, but they, they don't know what's going on. So when we're watching uh, Larry Hogan on press conference or watching Trump or whatever on a press conference, we hear what they're saying and we understand what's going on. They are hearing what he's saying, but they don't really get it. So they could watch the same press conference. They could get the same information that we're getting. But they'll they'll ask the question right after the press conference. Like, so when are we going to school? When are we starting practice? Like, are we still good for tomorrow? Like, I'm like, yo, did y'all listen to what he just said? Like, we not good. We not. It's, it's not going well at all right now. So it's difficult to try to, like, explain exactly what's going on without, like, crushing dreams and, and killing all that hope. Because when you're a kid, your, your sports and, and your social interaction that you get when you're at school, that's what you live for. I mean, I, when I was a young kid, I, I, all I cared about was football. And these kids don't have that to look forward to right now. And they just want to they just want this stuff to be over so they can go and do what they have fun doing. And Kurt, what age group you got, man? Uh, we're 11 you this year. We're 11 you now. So my kids are 10 and 11 years old. Some are actually turning 12 this year. What's it like managing preteens? I mean, do they understand social distancing? Do they, you know, keep their hands out their mouths? How does it work, man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the group of kids we got, they're unique. You know, today's 11 and 12 year old, they're different than what we were when we were 11 and 12. So they're a lot more mature. They definitely get it. They understand. And our kids are so passionate for the game. You know, when they found out our season actually just got canceled, I think about three weeks ago, like officially canceled, tackle got canceled. So I know my son, he cried. 
he's a diehard football fan. So mm. he cried. Now we're also in a different time where electronics is everything. So I hear half of my team on my son's TV playing Call of Duty. So they're still in contact with each other. Mm -hmm. But, you know, them not being around each other and us not having typical practices and workouts like we have in the past, it's been rough. And for me, it's a little different because I'm working with the youth. So everything is diverted to the parents. You know what I'm saying? So it's I'm not even really we're, we're dealing with the kids, but we deal more so with the parents. And it's been tough. It's just been a lot of questions, a lot of questions. Is, is the season going to, you know, are they going to extend the season? Are they going to postpone the season? You know, because the parents are bought in, too. So everybody loves it. But it's it's difficult, man. It's so difficult. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of questions that mm -hmm. we we don't have the answers to. And I wish I had the answers. But like, I'm, I'm sure you guys experience it with wherever y'all work. We, we don't have the answers and, and things are constantly changing. So what was the rule of land yesterday may be completely different, you know, tomorrow. Yeah. I never I never really have the real answer for these kids. The one thing I don't want to do is give misinformation to anybody because yeah. misinformation is, is harmful to a lot of people. And one one wrong thing that you say to one kid it's gonna get spread to everybody mm -hmm. and now you gotta field all these different questions that you didn't really even mean to do you know and can i can i pick you back off of that real quick so mm -hmm. i work you know i work for the county i work for our recreation and parks so my job consists of dealing with um I do instructional sports for basically elementary school kids. So our procedures and protocols are changing every time Hogan comes on. Every time he comes on, it's um and he says something different. We have to change everything. We have to change everything. And you know what the county is it's about that money at the end of the day. It, it's it's about making that money. So it's tough. And you have some parents that are reluctant that are like, you know, now nah, we're gonna play it safe. And then you got some parents that are like, my kids need to get out the house. Cause it's been what, four or five months now? Mm -hmm. Everybody's been, you know, really on ice. So I'm seeing it from two different angles, but at the end of the day, it's all tough. Kurt, you mentioned that your your season just ended about officially mm -hmm. about three weeks ago. I was curious, Jaron, did your season just end? Were you training with your players as well, or did your season ever begin? So we, we never even really got to begin. I think it was in... Well, ever since March, really, because the spring sports in high school got canceled, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so from March to June, you know, baseball, lacrosse, all those spring sports were canceled. And I'm like, yeah, that, that sucks for the lacrosse coach. I mean, Catonsville was supposed to have a, a great season, whatever. But ever since then, the message was to to my guys, we're, we're starting on August the 12th. That's the first day of tryouts. And, you know, we, we had to deliver that message the whole time throughout the summer. Now, I think it was in late May. They started saying like, all right, well, if we're not in school, then you can't do your summer workouts. And yeah. You can they, they had all these these different rules where it was saying, like, you can't even reach out to your team virtually. So we can I can mm. get my guys together on a, a Zoom call or whatever. I couldn't do that. They made it a rule that my entire coaching staff could only speak to two kids virtually per day. So, wow, wow. like, how, how am I supposed <laughs> to coach football and I can only wow. talk to two kids virtually? Wow. Who came up with hey. that rule? <laughs> That's a hey, terrible man, I'm rule. Trying to keep, I'm trying to keep my job. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. But um, so so ever since that, it, it's it's really like me just reaching out to a, a kid or two, just checking on their mental health. Like at that at this point, we I can't teach you football, and with liability purposes, I'm not really trying to tell, encourage anybody to go out and work out. I'm a football coach, of course. Right. I want my guys to work out, but I'm not gonna be the one that's telling you to go out in the middle of a pandemic and gather the guys together and, mm -hmm. and not respect social distancing. Probably not wearing a mask. You're 15, 16 years old. I'm not gonna be the one that's telling them 
done that. So my my whole summertime coaching kind of just shifted to checking on their mental health, checking on the the, the at risk guys that I know, you know, that mm. things might not be so great at home. And they I know that they're looking forward to this season, that kind of stuff. Mm. It's really just checking on them. Now, I think they officially postponed it our season late July, August or whatever, right? The early mm. August. So mm. they recently rolled out this plan for us to do virtual coaching, which is really just making sure that our guys are, are mentally stable, you know, checking in with them academically. But what we're going to try to do at Catonsville, I'm not sure what other, other coaches around the county are doing, but we're going to try to make it like, just like seminars, little lessons. And we want to start teaching them stuff that I wish that I was taught when I was in high school. Or if, even if I was taught it, I wish I would have paid attention. I wasn't necessarily paying attention to the team when they were teaching it. But I would, if my coach would have said it to me, I would have paid attention because right now I'm in the process of, of buying the house. I ain't know nothing about credit until not too long ago. It's a, it's a lot on me, but I feel like we can help these kids through this time learn a little bit more about just life and like how you should handle your credit, how your your grades and your transcripts affect what's going on with you outside of school, outside of football, and I, like getting a job and all that kind of stuff, and teaching them a little bit more responsibility because these kids need it. A lot of the kids don't have fathers. They look at their football coaches and the people that are around sports in general as their their role models. So we're going to try to use this virtual coaching as an opportunity to just teach them things about life and and being productive members of society. So that's what we're going to try to do. Jerry, you actually just answered my question. You must have like read my mind or something because I'm thinking about it in the perspective as a high school player, right? And for me, my one of my biggest things was August 15th. And that was always knocking at the back of my head, like August 15th, August 15th, August 15th. And so I had a whole year to home to that, to grasp on to that, you know, do whatever I needed to do, make sure that I was in shape, make sure that, you know, I'm with the team. So once August 15th comes, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. So now we don't have that, <laughs> you know, like 20, 30, 40 something years, we've always had that. So now we don't have that. So as a high school player, I have to figure out what other avenues or what other things that I can do to home in to better myself. So I, I, that's great. I think it's totally different now because... As coaching, you're able to set your game plans up. You're able to do what you need to do with your other coaching staff throughout the year. You know, you're able to get together. Now it's just everything is virtual now. It's kind of hard to teach the aspect on the outside what you normally do with football as a coach and now having to go virtualized with everything. It's crazy. Um, I, I tell people this all the time. This is the first time since 1994 where I haven't been preparing for to either play or coach a football season uh-huh. This is the first time since 1994. I don't know. This is different for me. It's different for all of us. Like, we don't even have preseason NFL football to look at right now. Like, it's different for everybody. And I can't imagine being one of these kids who, because I'm just like you. I, I was looking forward to August 15th or August the 1st or when that, whatever date it was that was locked in. The, the first day we started, I'm locked in on that date. And I, I've got 60 kids that are locked in or that were locked in on that August the 12th date. And I got to look at them and say, well, we postponed indefinitely right now. We we hoping that we can play in the spring. It's, it's a tough thing to do. It's, yeah. it's super tough. Yeah. And then you got all the other stuff going on in the world. They, I mean, they, they're all on the internet. They see Crazy. the stuff that's going on. Yeah. And yeah. It's, we got a lot to deal with. And yeah. we, we don't, I don't want these, these 14 to 18 year old kids to just try to process all, all of this stuff by themselves. Cause it's difficult for us to wake up every day, check Instagram and see somebody getting shot in the back seven times in front of their kids. Like how, 
it's hard for us to deal with that as an adult. So yeah. how are you supposed to deal with it as a as a as a, a young man? Yeah. 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 And my question, my question to you, bro, as a as a youth coach and a former high school coach, what conversations are you having with the seniors? You right. know what I mean? Uh, like you got someone so, in the bubble that might be getting scholarships, or this is supposed to be the year that they're right. gonna try to get that scholarship. You mm. got some that already have scholarships. So if they let's say hypothetically they bump the season back to the spring, right? Which is mm -hmm. what I've been hearing in different counties, right? Mm -hmm. What do you what do you say? To that senior that already has a scholarship, is it worth him coming on the field and playing? I don't think. I so. don't know. None of us have the answers to these questions. You know what I mean? I, I don't know, and I'm expecting to have a son in November. Congratulations! So I try to Congrats, take. Congrats, appreciate it. Appreciate it. But I try to take all of their situations as this is my son. What am I going to tell my son mm -hmm. if he was in this situation? Mm -hmm. And we would have to sit down and really think about what we're going to do. Now, you're one of those kids that are on the bubble because those are the kids that are super affected by us not yeah. having a season. It's the bubble guys. Like if, mm -hmm. if you're a D1 guy, you know you already got your offers. You might already committed, whatever. But it's a ton of guys that depend on the summer before their senior year and their senior year uh, to go to camps and all that kind of stuff. Now they don't have camps. They don't have any of that kind of stuff to prove the progress that they made, that how much they've developed. So what I did, because I, I've coached college, I coached college football for 12, uh, not 12 years, for seven years at all different levels. I was at NAIA school. I was at D3 school and at D1 FBS school. I reached out to everybody that I know. So I got a, a pretty decent network of D3, D2, D1, some NFL guys, like how are they handling this situation? And their answers are the same as our answers. Like we're just trying to basically figure out what we're doing too. But the the main message that I got from those scholarship level schools is the bubble guys are the ones that are really affected. So what they have to do, they, they might have to take some videos of themselves working out. They might have to take a picture of them standing next to somebody that's certified 6'3". So everybody fudges their height and their weight when they're in high school. Like when I was in high school, I was 5'11", 180. But in reality, I was 5'9", 165. <laughs> you got you to gotta prove that now. Like you Remember them days. Remember them days. <laughs> everybody got to fudge it a little bit. I ain't never been 5'11", but... <laughs> hey, tweak that height up just a little bit. Just a little bit. Hey, that, that'd be the difference. Though that'd be the that, difference. that's the difference, yeah. But now you gotta you gotta like take a picture next to somebody that's certified six one. You say you six one, you better be six one because yeah. they they're looking at all this stuff and your junior tape is being scrutinized a little bit more than it would have been if you if you would have had a senior season or if your senior season is postponed a little bit. So they're they're looking at your junior film and if you have enough film from your junior year, then you might get that offer. But everything is just kind of pushed back for right now. But it's it's really the bubble guys that are truly affected recruiting-wise for me. So I got a question for y'all, right, as coaches. We're talking about the kids. And the kids are, of course, important. But I'm going to start with you, Kirk. But I want, I want to answer for both of you guys. What are you guys doing to keep your sanity or your hopes up or your or your drive or keeping you guys engaged? Because, I mean, I know, Kurt, you know, you said y'all season was canceled three weeks ago. Maybe and I know 
you know, I, I work for the county, so I understand. I, I know that they've been up and down with you guys and keeping y'all out of the loop and not knowing what's going on. So I know you guys want it just as much as the kids. So I know part of the job is to keep them, keep their mind level and to keep them with hope that the season will happen. What are you guys doing to keep yourself sane in hopes that a season will take place? So if you got that, you guys um, can get a I chance know, to well, play. For us, it's a little different, you know, at the youth level. So what we've been doing is, you know, when the pandemic like really first hit, when it really started hitting like in March, nobody was doing nothing. So we came up with a plan as a coaching staff. We had a parents meeting via Zoom. So, you know, we're very transparent with our with our parents and we let them know what our what our plans were going to be. And it was going to be to have the kids working out at home. We came up with workout sheets for them that they had to submit every week so that we were holding them accountable. And they're at that age to where accountability is everything for them as young men. You know what I'm saying? So mm. we left it up to them. You know, you do your workouts, you send it to the coach, not your parents. You send the workouts to the coach. You know, we were keeping in contact with all of our players. And then when things started lightening up, like when things started opening up, we actually did start training. We were just following social distancing protocols. So I know for us and like with the county, you can't have more than 15 kids in a group. And that includes coaches. So with us, it works out because it's not a lot of teams that have, well, not a lot of youth teams that have 15 skill players. So we would have our skill players going through their drills and doing what they had to do. And then we also had our linemen doing their drills and what they had to do on opposite sides of the field. So we weren't really together as one big group. And it's all new for everybody. And we're all learning on the fly. So, you know, the kids were coming up with masks on and then that's been a big debate. You know, are the kids supposed to be participating with masks on? Does that, does that not obstruct breathing? You know what I mean? So how do you deal with that? And at the end of the day, I mean, it's a risk. It's it's all a risk. You know what I mean? We're, we're all we're all at risk for it. You know, when you walk out the door, you're at risk. You can be in the house and you're at risk for it. But at the same time, once they started opening things up, we were, we were always preparing like the season was going to go on as normal. But we're also film junkies to answer your question. So I watch film every single day. I still watch film from two, three years ago. We as a coaching staff are always going to be occupied. And that's one thing we're also trying to get our kids to learn as well is to learn how to watch film. So all of our parents have access to huddle. They have access to all the games so they can go back and watch and look at the X's and O's and figure out what's right and what's wrong. And, and we go from there. But we've definitely been occupied. So we've been blessed with that. My answer is the same. I think dudes that go into coaching or people that go into coaching in general are a little bit crazy up here when it comes to what they're passionate about. Like, I've watched so much film. Like, I could tell you play for play everything that happened in, in all 10 of our games last year. I watched it, and I, every time I watch it, I watch it like I've never seen it before. So I'm still mad when I see a kid fumbling or a kid missing a block. Like, I, it's like it just happened right in front yeah. of me. But I keep constant communication with my coaching staff. We try to keep up to date on just what's going on in college football because I think if it's not happening in college then it's not going to happen for us so when Towson and Maryland and all of those schools around us started wrapping up their season or packing up their season we're like ah well if Hopkins ain't playing Daniel ain't playing and Maryland ain't playing and Morgan ain't playing how is Catonsville going to play so I guess what I'm saying is we try to keep in constant communication we're watching film we're getting in contact with these kids I fired up the old PlayStation 3 and I'm out there playing uh, NCAA 2014. I'm the Georgia Bulldogs on NCAA right now. On the old <laughs> and we, we ranked number 12 in the nation right 
Now that's not- <laughs> yeah, I used to run these tests with Notre Dame. Patting everybody. Everybody. <laughs> man, my man Jaron said something earlier that stuck with me this entire time, man. You haven't coached or played since 1994, since basically like regulators first came out. <laughs> I mean, that's a long <laughs> ass time, dog. <laughs> oh, 1994. Yeah. Yeah. You, you used to mount up back in the day. I want that to you guys, man. Um, it appears that this isn't going to wrap up anytime soon. Like people thought it might go a month, less than that. We're four or five months deep. And with that idiot in the White House and this other, this other stuff going around, we might be a year out before things kind of get back to normal because you got to think regular flu season is a month or two away, right? And that, you know, that jumps off. And so if youth sports even try to start back up, are parents going to have to sign waivers? And if they do, or they like, who's in trouble if a kid gets sick? You can be asymptomatic. So what if a kid catches it, but they're not sick, but they take it home to their parents? Is the school liable? Is the county liable? Making them sign waivers? What, like, what's the deal? I think, I think it's going to be a lot of different things that people have to sign. There's, there's an assumption of risk with sports in general, right? But it's, it's going to have to be some sort of contract or something that they have have to sign that that takes the responsibility off us and to be real we don't want to get sick either like i got a pregnant wife i got a couple older coaches on my staff our athletic trainer has you know certain issues and a lot of those kids like before every season every kid has to get a physical and we get a medical report on all these kids and a lot of kids have stuff that you they seem like they're you know in good health and normal but a lot of kids have asthma which is an underlying condition if yep. you start talking about a respiratory illness mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable putting a kid in that situation where mm-hmm. I know that they have asthma or they have some sort of other medical issue it's tough I don't know how it's going to work but I, I'm in constant communication with uh, our athletes athletic trainer who's one of the top ones in the county and she she's in constant communication with the higher ups as far as uh Baltimore County Athletics and she's a stickler for the rules so when when all those regulations came out I asked her about like all right if we start opening up stuff like I think this was in in May or June if they start opening up stuff does that mean that we can get into the weight room she said technically yes but you got to have this amount of people in there everybody's got to have a mask on she yep. told me that you need to wipe down the bar after every rep i mean after every set i'm like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be personally, I think it's going to be a lot of extra steps that are going to have to be taken in the future. I know for the county, they're opening up everything stage by stage. So when they started opening up certain things, because we're at stage two right now, I know for our camps, and, and I can see youth football and youth sports getting to this, especially football and even basketball. But I know for us, each day, every single participant had to get a temperature check. They had to fill out a questionnaire with very specified questions on that individual's health. And if and with temperature checks, if it was anything over 100.4, you could not participate until you were cleared by the doctor. So I can see it going to that because I think the reality of the situation is that a lot of people might not want to face is this, this is the new norm until it's not. That's something else I want to ask y'all because the NBA and WNBA have been able to, they got a bubble, they making it work. They're professional athletes, right? 
college football can't get it right. I just read this morning that um, University of Alabama had a spike of 526 cases on campus. College sports can't get this right. Major League Baseball can't get this right. The NFL can't get this right. If all these other pro sports can't get it right, why not just shut down high school and college sports until at least the pro sports can even show they can do it? Because if they can't do it with billions of dollars, how do school systems expect to do it? The only people that have done it right is the NBA. And they're the only, there's no way that we we can we can do high school like the NBA did it. Like right. they're they're completely sectioned off. They're in the bubble. They're yeah. doing their thing, and they they can afford to get all the tests and all the equipment that they need to make sure that they're not spreading this stuff around. It's no way that that can happen at in a, in a high school setting, in my opinion. I just yeah. it's no way. And I know we're all over thirty. When when I was playing football, if I felt a little sick, I'm not telling nobody. Like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even now, like if, if one of us had to cough right now, I, I bet we'd try our best to just be like, mm, try and suppress it real quick. Everybody, everybody looking like, what's the name from, uh, from uh, Walking Dead? Motherfuckers right. like, huh? yeah. <laughs> you, you're trying to suppress that, so. I had to go. <laughs> I know if I was a, if I was a, a, a young person that is, is trying to play my, my sport, I'm not going to tell them that I'm I'm feeling a little sick. Like I, I used to get headaches and stuff, and I know that this this is bad now. Saying in in 2020, I had concussions and stuff that I just didn't say nothing about because I wanted to keep playing. Mm-hmm. We we can't we can't operate like that anymore. And if you're feeling sick, a kid's not going. I don't I don't see a kid saying. You know what, coach, take me out. I'm having trouble breathing. Like yeah. I don't see that happening. I know I wouldn't have done that when I was that age. And, and at the youth level, hopefully parents are being honest as well. And yeah. I'm not talking about my parents in particular. You know what I mean? But, you know, just in general, you, you get to that championship game, that star running back, <laughs> the temperature is, is 101. You got to do that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Hey, so, man, dump, dump him in the ice bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need we, we, we Hold on. We don't we don't endorse that kind of behavior. On <laughs> oh, oh, no. Absolutely, absolutely not. You know what I mean? Hey, don't endorse that. Trying to get us a loose sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. Like hey, hey, hey. Uh, to, to the sponsors. It's just comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, but I think but I think that's the reality. Those, those are some things that people are worrying about, you know, because I'm talking to a lot of people as well. And just like my man said, you know, the honesty, like, like, are people really going to tell if they're sick? You know, I, I was the same way. If I was if I was sick in high school or if I was hurt, I wouldn't tell nobody, you know, strap me up. I'm ready to go. I'm going in for mm-hmm. the next play. I mean, it's totally different now. Because we're not talking about a national pandemic, we're talking about a global pandemic. So it's it's a totally different ball game. So, but those are just some of the things I know that people worry about. Yeah, I was wondering when it comes to the whole mystique of football and being tough, and you know the whole taboo of if you if you can't play or if you're hurt or you know you're looked at as you're not tough or you know you're weak. As a coach, how do you go forward with that? Because it's always been looked upon in football. Mm-hmm. So going forward, how do you balance the two? I feel like it's our responsibility to be safe. We're the, we're the ones that are yeah. trained on mm-hmm. how to deal with the heat. It's not like how it was back in the late 80s, early 90s, when you was going to do them up downs and you on your remember the Titans type of stuff. Nobody's coaching like that anymore. Football is not the same as it was back then. I, I feel like yeah. I went, I came up through some of the craziest times in football where the gauntlet. 
we we <laughs> celebrated to getting your head knocked off like that, that was mm-hmm. celebrated. Now if you see that, especially at the youth level, you're like, whoa, whoa, get, what's up? What's up with this guy? Get him out of here! Like, yeah, yeah, teaching yeah. that kind of stuff. And um, it, it's it's on us as coaches. Last year, I was a spectator at our JV game because I'm I'm the varsity head coach, but we all help out the JV staff and we care about how they're developing and all that kind of stuff. And it was a kid that. He looked woozy. We saw the hit that he got. He looked woozy, but he's like, nah, coach, I, I'm not. I'm good. I'm good. I looked at him I'm like, no, you're not good. You got to get out. And it's on us as coaches to be able to recognize that and say, like, this this JV game is not worth your safety. It's not worth you being messed up for longer than necessary. You got to get out and we got to take care of you. And you need to know that it's, it's about your health before any of this other stuff. The player safety and their health is the main concern over winning and all of that kind of stuff. Of course, we want to win, but I want my all my kids to walk away, you know, healthy and safe. And that's the number one priority before any anything else for me. I, to- I, I totally agree with that, bro. And everything you say, I'm going to piggyback off of you. Because just like you said, like with college, everything trickles down to high school. And with high school, everything trickles down to the youth. So we're on the same page. Safety is first and, you know, first and foremost, the number one priority. We got a couple of head knockers on our team. You know what I mean? And I mean, kids that can go. But one thing we don't play about, especially at the youth level, is head injuries. If your head hurts, you need to let us know at the end of the day. I had a concussion in college, personally. You know what I mean? So I know... I know what that what that thing is like. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, this is youth football. This is youth football. Like we're trying to prepare you for the next level. This is not life and death. Right. So you gotta be honest. You gotta let us know. But safety is the number one priority by far. Earlier, Kurt, you mentioned that uh you said tackle football is done. I mean, are they playing other forms? Like are they playing flag football right now or, or yeah. any other form of football? Yeah, yeah. So what they did was they actually I know in our league, well, in all of the leagues, I believe the youth leagues in Maryland, except Anne Arundel County, from what I know so far, maybe Carroll County as well but i know for sure anna rundle is still playing tackle what they did was they replaced <laughs> <laughs> they replaced tackle with uh seven on seven and flag yeah. which and you get you hear a lot of people say oh well what's the difference it's a big difference it, there's not contact on every single play in seven on seven you know yeah. you don't have linemen in the trenches you know what mm-hmm. i mean every single play but again there are so many questions about it can coronavirus be on gloves can coronavirus be on the ball you know so i i just think it's I think we have to modify until we get all questions answered and we just got to take all safety precautions possible to make sure these kids are safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that this pandemic has helped me and a lot of people realize how much you yep. come in contact with other people. Like when, when I got back from getting married, we I get back into school and I'm already conscious of, you know, the coronavirus because I had just came back from California. And I, you see the kids dapping each other up in the hallways, people rubbing up. Like you see that and they're just like, dang, that's a lot of lot of handshakes in between class. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you see kids touching all over stuff and then biting their nails like. Mm-hmm. You see that and you're just like, dang, I, I didn't even realize how easily this stuff can spread just in, in the school building for 30 minutes. It's a lot of daps getting given out in the hallways. Yeah. You know, the little boys want to hug each other, all the girls and stuff like, yo, it is, it's a lot of contact and a, and a little bit of time. That's why when they were asking, like, should you open up schools? I'm like, that's a super spreader because every yep. time that bell rings, them hallways are packed and it's a lot of just people. That, that was my concern. 
that was my concern was the traffic in the hallways and i think that was being that was being overlooked you know what i mean and i got a, my youngest going to middle school and i remember walking to his elementary school i mean we all been there mike you work in the, you work in the school system mm -hmm. you know what it's like when that lunch bell rang it's made <laughs> <laughs> it it it's, it's no distance there's no yeah. way to have, to have the distance that you can like in the cafeteria you can't have the distance in the hallways yeah. you can't have the distance like how are you uh, how are we supposed to you know follow these guidelines that we've been given in in those settings that i I think it's impossible yeah there's one school it, it, it might have worked in um <laughs> i used to teach in baltimore county a long time ago and uh they had us go to a franklin to like observe how they do things uh -huh. there and I promise you, the bell rang. Them kids was walking in like single file, uh, right side, right side traffic going this way, the other traffic going this way. It, I, it was I had never seen that before. You know, I was coming from Newtown when it first opened up, and yeah. like you said, when the bell rang, where, where we from? Kids is all over the place, but they they was walking yeah. single file. So at Franklin, they they may have been able to pull it off. It's funny, uh, it's funny you said that, Maven, because I don't know if Alex, you had asked this on one of our pods, or if it was we were a guest on another pod, and, they, and, and well, what the question was from the pandemic, what is it that you have learned you can live without? And um, mm. and I think it was, I, yeah, I think I think this actually <laughs> was on our show, yeah. <laughs> and my answer was. Yo, I learned that I could say what's up to people without dapping them now. Yeah, you know what I, mean? yeah. I think I think those days I think those days are done. Like giving that giving elbows is the new that. Done. What up, you get a, you get a salute for yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think those days are done. But I I wanted to take y'all back, both of you guys back, um, a little bit with my next question. Both of you guys were successful high school football players. Both had successful college careers in your playing days. So I want to take y'all back with everything that's going on now. You see conferences shutting down, players sitting out. Go back to those days when y'all were in those shoes. In this current climate, like, what would you guys do? Like, would you play? Would you try to transfer? Would you sit out? What would y'all do if y'all were faced with what these kids are faced with today? Good question. You know what? That's that's a hard that's a hard question, man. Because I going back, there was nothing keeping me off the field. I'll be honest. Same, same. There, there was nothing keeping me off the field, especially especially you know when you're in high school. Every high school player is not every every high school player is not going to play college, right? But when you go to college, you realize that every college player is not going to play in the NFL. Right. So my my college coach always says something to us in the beginning of each season and it really resonated with me and I say the same thing to my kids but for their level you know when we got to when we got to camp you know at the end of camp he will always say to those that made it cuz I played at Wesley I played D3 so you know you wasn't it wasn't scholarship you wasn't allowed to cut but this was back in the days where it was still 3 a days so them hard 3 a day practices <laughs> what they quit if you wasn't with it right. they got you out of there right? right so i remember he sat us all down he said freshman i can only guarantee you 40 games whatever you get after that is what you earn sophomores i can only guarantee you 30. juniors i can only guarantee you 20. seniors i can only guarantee you 10. when you're a freshman 40 games sounds like a lot until you become a senior and yeah. you're down to your last 10 and that last game you on the you on the field crying because it's all over you start thinking about them youth games you start thinking about them sleepovers you start thinking about them high school games and real life hits you like god damn like my passion like it's it's done like it's over so to answer your question i was that passionate so i say all that to say me personally if we were allowed to play i probably was going to play just because i was so passionate about it just to be honest with you Thinking about it, and it's crazy that 
Last year, I had my father come in and talk to my team before one of the games. And I I was just talking to them first before my father talked about how passionate I was about the game of football. And like that was my passion. I knew that I needed to get good grades so that I could play football and I needed to be good at football. So I could go to college, but I wanted to play football. That was that's it. Like since 1994, I'm, I wanted to play football. Right. So I told my team last year. One of the pregame speeches, or it wasn't pregame, it was one of the practice speeches or whatever, but I told him, I don't, I never have been sick from August through December. Yeah, like, yeah. that time, like, I, I can't remember ever even having a cold or a sniffle, nothing, because, like, something in my body said, this ain't the time to sick because we playing football. You need to get your grades together in the fourth quarter so you can play football. You need to do this. These are the things that you need to do so that you can play football. So, like you said, Kurt, when your game start dwindling down and you really down to that last one, like I couldn't in my mind, I didn't even get to that point where I realized until it, it was there. It was on me like they we doing the senior thing and we walking down and my parents are sitting there and they saying that this is your last game. And I'm like, yo, this is my last game. Like It didn't even hit me yeah. until that moment. And like this is two minutes before kickoff. I'm like, yo, I'm crying right now. I ain't, yep. I ain't never cried in the middle like, of like, a funeral game, bro. Yeah. And and my my last high school game, it didn't hit me that it was my last high school game because it was a playoff game and we lost by five points to City College. And I wish that we could go back to this day and, and get back the second play of the game when my man slipped and we let up a touchdown. But like it, it never clicked in my mind that I wouldn't be playing football again. Or I didn't know when the next time I was playing football. And then I mean that's part of the reason why I got into coaching because I yeah. just in my mind I can't get away from the game. Like football has done so much for me. Every single job interview that I've ever been on, doesn't matter what job it is, I talk about my experiences in football, stuff that I've learned from football. Ain't football big. has afforded me. I went to college. I got a bachelor's degree and I went to graduate school. I got a master's degree because of football. Like I went to college for football and I went to grad school to coach football. And I've never paid for school because of football. Like I've lived in Maryland, Iowa, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Ohio, <laughs> Illinois because of football. I've been all over the place because of football. I met my wife in North Carolina because I was there for football. Like that right. kind of like everything <laughs> is around football for real. So it took a while for her to actually understand it because like she doesn't really care about athletics, but she knows how passionate I am about football. So to answer your question, Mike, if there was an opportunity for me to play football, I'm playing it. Hey, I, I didn't mean to take y'all back. I see corn. I see corn oh, sweating over there. Hey, rubbing them thighs as he's back in the backfield. Hey, look. Look, <laughs> one of my music idols. Okay, in the famous words of Pimp C, Pimp <laughs> me. So. That plays in my mind. Yeah. Just like you said, Maven, football has brought you so much because you brought so much passion to the game. Those times where you said where, you know, you were sick, you mentally trained your mind to be like, yo, look, this this shit ain't the time. Like, you know, I got things I have to do. Kurt, your passion for the game, what you brought from the time at the lake, from going to Wesley. Trent, the I, lake. The <laughs> lake. Yeah, the <laughs> lake. Right. I just want to put right. that out there. My bad, my yeah. bad. So how it's transpired to now, you know, to coaching the kids, it just goes to show you, you know, anything that you want to become or anything that you want to do, as long as you put the passion in it, it'll, rest, it'll be good to you. So, yeah, right. the game been good to me, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't been good to me. <laughs> <laughs> you really quoting Pimp C? 
I'm certain the case. When it comes to the game, I may have to. Shout out to, man. Shout, shout, shout to Uncle Chad. So let me ask you guys this, man. Like, what do y'all think if this goes another six months, another year? What do you think the impact is on high school and youth sports? For youth, I think it depends on how much it spikes or how much it declines. You know what I mean? I think with flu season coming up, that's going to be interesting because a, a lot of the symptoms are just like the flu. Mm-hmm. So I, I can I can see it going like this. I can see it going like that. I don't know, man. Time will tell. I think if people have sports do it right and it seems to be manageable, I think people will try it. And if it's not, I think people are going to nix it, depending on what level it is. Again, with youth sports, you just never know because you can never blame a parent for being reluctant. You can never blame a young man for being reluctant. And, and when the risk is health, I mean, health is wealth at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? So I just think it's going to get to the point where, again, I hope this is not the new norm, but it's looking like a new norm. And I think we got to find ways to modify and adjust and stay safe and do everything we can to keep the kids safe. And, you know, young men and, and, and those men in college and professional athletes do everything that they have to do to be safe as well. Right. I think that it's, it depends on the sport. I think there are certain sports where physical contact, you know, close proximity is not important to the sport. Now, when you talk about sports like football and basketball, people are close to each other. And if you're close to each other, then you putting yourself at risk to get sick. I think the game of football, it's weird because people love it. People, I think that is America's sport, right? People love football, especially around here. People love the Ravens. Like when Lamar Jackson is hot, when the Ravens are hot, people in Maryland want to play football. You see more kids trying out for football. But when also when like movies like Concussion come out or you have someone something like what happened at, at Maryland a couple of years ago with the kid, uh, Jordan McNair, passing away tragically. You see a decline in kids that want to come out or parents that are allowing their kids to come out to play football, whether the kids want to play or not. So I, I think it goes back to what you just said. Like if you can guarantee health, the health and the safety of those kids, then I think that we could continue on with playing sports. But if you can't guarantee that. That I think that's going to prevent a lot of parents from allowing their children to play those those contact sports where you can't guarantee, well, not guarantee, but make sure that they're not getting sick or spreading the virus on to other loved ones and, and people around the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the only one of us that don't have a kid. But I've told my wife, if we had a kid right now, they asked me playing 2K or something like that. <laughs> I, I, I played football growing up, but they like we I drove past a, um, a baseball field a couple weeks ago. Kids was out there playing. The parents were out there. And I'm like, to me, it ain't worth it. It just it's simply not worth it with there not being any real treatment or care for this. So. But what what if your kid what if your kid looked at you was like please like please can I I just want to do something I don't want to play 2K no more uh, my niece last week I went into the school because we we got our helmets delivered right so uh, we got all these helmets that we need to put up my niece ten years old wanted to just come to the school to be in the school building because she misses school that much. Like, what if your your child is looking at you like, please, like, I want to play. I want to be around my friends. I want to do something. Please. And then, like, and then you get to that point. Yeah. And then it's you get to that point where, weekend. or exactly. And then you get to that point also where the kids have been in this for so long, they start going stir crazy. Like, they look yeah. start crazy, start changing. My niece came to Catonsville yeah. to help me put up helmets just <laughs> so she could be in the school. Get out the house, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the better question is, Alex, what if your son found your old Walkersville jersey, yo, and he say, Dad, yo, I'll be just like you? It's in the dresser here in this room. Look, man, it ain't worth it. As far as I'm concerned, it ain't worth it. And when I when we were coming up, 
Like there was a many a thing that I wanted to do and it didn't matter how much I begged my grandparents and my mom. If they said no, they said no. And we weren't living through a pandemic when we were coming up. You know what I'm saying? So everybody can get stir crazy, but nah, you better go play that <laughs> saxophone or that piano or something like that. Do something else in this house. <laughs> what, what about the other people with kids? Like yeah, the same answer for y'all? So for me, man, it's it's a tough decision for me because well, my son has a little bit of a heart issue. Not an issue, but he it's something that has to be monitored yearly. Matter of fact, we just had his year appointment today. So that's why I've been extra cautious with him throughout this because yeah, I mean, I don't want to be the one that put him in any any harm. So we're told, you know, he'll he'll be able to play sports, he'll live, you know, a normal life and all of those things. It's just an issue that has to be monitored. But if he was at the age to be able to play right now, I probably wouldn't let him, you know, just because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's so much unknown right now that it's just I, get it. I, I wouldn't want to be the one to put him put him at risk for anything, especially, you know what I mean? Especially, you know, the doctors can't even tell you much about it now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. <laughs> I damn sure ain't no doctor, so I can't tell you. So the uncertainty would probably throw it off for me. Yeah. I mean, you got you got pro athletes like Rudy Gobert three months after he had it saying his lungs weren't fully healed. You yeah. a pro athlete and your body ain't right three year, three months later? Yeah. I can't imagine what it would do to someone 16, 17, potentially. Yeah, my son, he wants to play, but yeah, he's going to have to sit out on this one because it's just too. And, you know, and I, I'm i a 120% football dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love the game. So, and I know he wants to play, but I got to make an executive, you know, decision on this one. And, like, dude, you're going to have to sit out. Now, I'm working with him on getting him right. So, next year, Everything, you know, kind of clears up and we can go back to kind of living, I mean, somewhat of a normal life. This is going to be the new norm. But when they, I guess, pull everything up and they say, hey, you know, we can go back to playing ball, then, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get him out there. But right now, I mean, I'm like I said, no, nah, he wanted to sit he wanted to sit this one out. But at the same time, I think it's good because I still get a chance to do that bonding with him, that one-on-one time with him and, you know, teach him more about the sport and the game and just give him that time to prepare him. Tell so, him your yeah. old Al Bundy stories. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> stories. That really right. That crack back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, my sentiments about it is not, not too much different from what these guys have already said. You know, I go out and train with him. Well, my son, every time I have my son, you know, dad, I want to play with some kids. I, I, I want to go, I, I want to do this. I want to do that. And it's like, nah, man, we can't do certain things. And, you know, and he understands it's a pandemic. But like you said, these kids, they, they want to do something. They want to be around their peers. Nah, I'll go out there and train with them, though. We will take a baseball and a bat. We'll go out in the field, a football, whatever. We'll play. I'll play with you, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. It's crazy because I, I with my wife every day, and we're going through this pregnancy. And I think if I didn't have a pregnant wife or a son on the way, I think that I would view what y'all were saying a little bit differently. Like, cause I, cause I know how passionate I was when I was a little kid, but like when you are sitting there rooting for this little kid from the time when they, you know, the size of a string bean or whatever to mm-hmm. like being a, their own person and stuff like that. I just, I feel y'all like, and like you said, Quan, 120% football dude, but I just, I, I can't see, I can't see myself doing it either. And that's as a football coach and yeah. as a football dude. It's hard. It's hard to say, right? That's hard yeah. to even off your tongue. Like, damn. Like, I, I don't want him playing because, like, nah. Usually, I we, like, we need. I feel like we need to know a little bit more. And I know for a fact, my wife is in healthcare, so she. That's a whole different argument. It's just too unknown right now 
for me to sign off on. I would feel uncomfortable coaching other people's kids because I know like the emotional attachment that you had to, to these young men, the, their health is the number one thing on your mind. And I wouldn't want to put anybody's son or daughter or anybody in a situation where I could potentially make them sick. Mike, um, Quan, Brandon, you guys got any, any more questions, comments you want to make before we wrap up? Nah, man, I, I, hey, I enjoyed listening to y'all guys talk about this. I'm good. Yeah, I'm great, man. It was very informative what you guys had to, to offer when it, when it comes to, you know, youth, youth sports coaching. Very informative, man. Very, very informative. I, I, I have no more questions. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna think on this. I'm definitely gonna think on this this episode. But this this was good. This was really good. Yeah, I, it was no doubt. I thought this episode would be a good episode, but it, it actually turned out to be super, mm-hmm. super dope. And I do want to point out why we got you on here. You too, Quan. You know, we don't shout out you guys enough for what you're doing for these kids out here, man, especially the, the young black kids out here that, you know, don't have their fathers and they looking at y'all and y'all checking on them and y'all making sure they're doing their homework and y'all being that father figure for you know, when you in the profession that you guys are in, you don't just have your own kids. You know what I'm saying? Jaren, you got one on the way. You got two, Kurt. But you really got, you really each got 50 to 60. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's not even including the ones that have come through your programs before the group that you got now. So yeah. salute to you guys, man. Appreciate you guys coming on, sharing your Thank insight. You. We're going to have to get y'all back on, man. And appreciate you being here. Appreciate you having us, man. We'll wrap up on that, man. Again, thank you guys for joining us. I think you guys provided a, a ton of great insight. So shout out to you. Appreciate what you're doing. You've been listening to Off the Record. We're out. <laughs> you, you said it right this time. I got it right, dude. <laughs> <laughs>